0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another bald movie uh, This time Jim and I saw A classic 2003 Black comedy slash crime film Matchstick Men uh-huh. uh, It was directed by Ridley Scott Written by the brothers Griffin Ted and Nicholas uh, If uh, if I, I couldn't find out what else Nicholas has been up to But Ted went on to write the script for Ravenous The kind of werewolf vampire Guy Pierce film And Ocean's Eleven, which everyone's familiar with Uh i have pretty fond memories of this from the time i saw it in the theater um what did you think i have you have you seen this film before and what did you think on on uh, further reflection
1: uh uh (laughs) i don't know uh (laughs) nick cage in it i see yeah no cagey in your response i have seen this one other time Apparently, almost twenty years ago. Uh huh. Judging by the date of this movie, Crazy. Which shocked me. Yeah. Uh, and I remember really, really liking it. It mm-hmm. was maybe my first introduction to Sam Rockwell, and he plays an excellent character in this. And classic Nicolas Cage moments. I mean, it's it's an excellent film. It's a this is almost the perfect vehicle for him. Yeah, that that very quirky, like OCD agoraphobia. Yeah, like. That really lets Nicolas Cage shine. Very distinct,
0: odd personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you mentioned, this this stars Nicolas Cage uh, and Sam Rockwell, uh, and also stars Allison Lohman, uh, who I'm not as nearly as familiar with her work. I know that she was in the uh, Oleander something,
1: <laughs> White Oleander. Yeah,
0: yeah, Oleander. I These I the guy that made wands in Harry Potter. I'm assuming she had something to do with magical wands. Uh, she was a pretty prominent role
1: in Big Fish. That I have seen a movie yeah. that I really enjoy. Um, I always confuse her with Alison Pill. I, I kept thinking, "Oh, is she in Scott Pilgrim?" Who was who other Meg uh, from Scott Pilgrim? Uh, yeah,
0: Whitman. Because I, I feel like there's there's That's like right. there's a there's like a some kind of
1: triad of mm-hmm. of Loman, Whitman, <laughs> Pillman. <laughs> yeah, going I, on there. The, everybody in this is great. Like Alison Loman is fantastic. She's yeah. 24 years old in this playing a 15 year old and I think she does a great job she
0: really does she, she, she
1: feels she, like a kid in this movie
0: she really they, they do a lot with the costuming and makeup um, and her kind of natural youthful looks to
1: to sell it because it does yeah, but that performance is also really good like just how you know impulsive she is uh-huh. and just like sort of precocious and bratty feels and, like she's on
0: the outs with her mom and yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's pretty good I, I so I don't want there's this movie is a you know it's a it's a crime drama there's some 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 complex plotting i don't want to spoil it for people if you want to go back and see one of nick cage's best performances especially one that doesn't make you want to necessarily blow your brains out like some of his other uh oscar worthy turns in uh, mm-hmm. uh leaving las vegas and the, what was the one about the hospital him driving the taxi or, uh,
1: a, yeah, a, a taxi or yeah medical taxi ambulance it's better off graveyard dead? shift that, that doesn't sound right no uh, bringing out the dead br- out the bring dead. out the dead there I, you go something like that yeah. that's it martin scorsese film
0: yeah the this is a this is a fun pretty fun watch i think mm-hmm So with a reasonably happy ending. So let's talk about the premise. Nick Cage plays Roy and Sam Rockwell as Frank, and they're both two con men, or as this movie calls them, matchstick men. Roy's a bit older, more accomplished, well off and cautious. And Frank is younger, hungrier and still looking for his first big score. Roy struggles with uh, OCD, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, which he controls through a combination of self-medication and living a life of rigid order and control. Roy, however, discovers he has a 14-year-old daughter from a previous relationship, Angela, and he decides to meet her on the encouragement of his therapist. They hit it off and they bond very quickly, but she soon discovers that Roy isn't the antique dealer that he claims to be and not only shows an interest in learning the way of the con, but shows quite the aptitude for the work. But soon, an expensive long-term con winds up with Ray and Angela in deep trouble as the latest mark is more dangerous than he seems. That's Matchstick Man. If you want to go see it, go watch it now. If you are here for spoilers, you're about to get spoilers. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know why this film is called Matchstick Man? I had to look it
1: up, but I, I do now. It makes sense, though. What, what is your understanding? So, a Matchstick Man uh, is essentially a crudely sketched character, um, essentially just a uh, stick figure. Yeah, I call them, always called them stick figures. Yeah. Right. Um, but a Matchstick Man is another term for that. And so, these personalities, these very thin flimsy personalities that con men dream up, uh, the temporary disposable personalities m- make them feel like matchstick men. Gotcha. Like stick figures. Yeah.
0: Um, so that's that. Uh, what did you think of, I, I guess we talked about Nick cage and maybe we should start there with the, the, his performance. Um, cause he does a lot of interesting things as far as, um, the way he does these verbal tics and physical tics, um, the way he kind of, uh, you know, melts down when he loses his medication or when things start to go uh, out of his control where he feels like he's being exposed to outdoor environment. Um, I was wondering whether like if this movie holds up from a depiction of mental illness standpoint, and I I did some digging and it seems like people think that this is a pretty good, uh, both OCD suffers, suffers, clinical psychologists think that this is a pretty good portrayal of like what it's like to live with OCD.
1: And, and he has a variety of, of mental right. hangups or illnesses. Uh, you know, it's not just OCD, it's agoraphobia. There's, uh, maybe a little Tourette's in there as well. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. Anxiety. But like, yeah just a lot of stew you find a lot, a lot of, of that
0: is they all go it's not you know you don't just go right. and have ocd and everything else is fine yeah like that's just maybe the tip of the
1: the, the iceberg that, that you have yeah and he does i mean just fantastic little things in his mm-hmm. performances i mean you know some of them are way over the top um which it, you know didn't strike me as as bad or odd or anything it's just there some things are less noticeable like everyone smile bark slightly mm-hmm. um which i really liked and then the 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 winking that he does yep. throughout the film is yep. real good
0: he does the like throat clearing
1: and the whoo you know making like the whoo, uh-huh. whoo,
0: whoo. it's kind of verbal tics yeah no I, I think it's it's great and they do a great job of showing like that he has a measure of control he's uh, taking uh, illegal prescription medication like that he's getting he's just self-medicating off the, the, the black market mm-hmm. uh, or the gray market uh, but it shows that his like you know that his, his, his world is very neat and orderly like he obsessively skin, skims his uh, pool um, he like uh, is very much calm and control when he's on these phone calls with people when we introduce them that he's doing these scams but then when he goes to their house and someone opens up a window suddenly yeah, it's it's weird that I guess that's the other thing is that um, the one thing I thought this movie would be kind of drug for is that uh, there's a part in a movie where he's unmedicated. Essentially, he's taking a placebo, mm-hmm. but it seems to be controlling the subs- the, 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 the worst of his his tics and i did some digging and i guess that that's something that can happen like you know you can control some of this stuff through therapy through behavioral modifications through lowering your stress or anxiety through having you know perceived greater control or fulfillment in your life and like his yeah, daughter I think that's
1: it yeah that
0: emotional attachment was the medication yes you know was essentially the therapy and the medication he was taking
1: right i mean as, as much as these are like mental conditions um and not you know necessarily chemical imbalances or anything like that yeah they could be overcome with just a better outlook on life uh less guilt in your life Mm -hmm. um, a feeling of more control yeah all of those things could contribute to to making you temporarily feel better yeah um this
0: has i think you know we did a whole uh you know super serious film fest on the works of dick cage Uh, and this is one of my favorite lines ever uh, and I I couldn't remember. I, I clearly remember this line, but I didn't remember what movie it was until we got to it where he's in the pharmacy and he, he all, with with nothing but a blister pack of his of his medication. He's trying yeah. to get a f- prescription fulfilled he's desperate and he's cutting in line and, you know, people are taking exception to him being this crazy person, you know, quote unquote uh causing all this chaos in the pharmacy and he turns to one of the outraged uh, line cutters or cuttees, and he says or the guy said hey have you ever you ever heard of waiting in line pal and he goes hey have you ever heard of being drug out to the sidewalk
1: and beaten until you piss blood and it's just the fucking best yeah it's the best no one but Nicolas cage gives that performance no. in that moment i'm I'm thrilled that Nicolas Cage was able to deliver that line.
0: Yeah, I was actually surprised when I looked up because I one of the last things I do in a bald movie review, especially if we're talking about classics, is I go through uh, and look and see what old Roger Eber had to say. Mm-hmm. Um, as we move forward in time, it'll be that'll be less and less an available reference. But he had a four star review for this film, which I thought. That is, uh you know, he he considered this an Oscar winning performance, one of his best. And he had this paragraph where he says, Nicholas Cage is accused of showboating, but I prefer to think of him as swinging for the fences. Sometimes he strikes out and he cites God yes. in 60 seconds, which I'm not sure I agree with. Oh, he,
1: he doesn't really go for it in that movie either. Yeah.
0: Does he? I don't know. I mean, I could see him. He's, he's, he's loaded with a whole bunch of colorful characters.
1: You got Geo... But Dude. I don't think he has any lines like piss blood. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. let will talk about vampires kiss. If you want to talk about swinging for the fences and missing. There you go. There
0: you go. Um, but v- v- he says far more often he connects. Uh, and he says, parenthetically, he took enormous risks in leaving Las Vegas, bringing out the dead and adaptation. He has a kind of raging zeal that possesses his character. What another actor would be overacting is with cage, a kind of fearsome intensity. There's an Oscar nomination here for mm-hmm. him. Uh, I bet Cage would agree with that. <laughs> his I lizard, his, his lizard shaman connection he has with the material. Uh-huh. Um, so he's great. Uh, I thought he has really good chemistry with Sam Rockwell. Like you get their relationship within
1: the sixty seconds of them interacting. You do, but at the same time, you're sort of puzzled as to why these two ended up together because they they don't they don't give you a lot of backstory on the two right Mm, that's Um, right you don't know how they connected or why yeah how uh, long they've been working together how long they've been working together none of that stuff and they're so different like you would think that the the patterns and habits of sam rockwell uh his character frank Mm -hmm. would drive roy insane Mm mm-hmm because he's already got these mental issues that he's dealing with, and Sam Rockwell is just the sloppiest person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not Sam Rockwell, Frank mm-hmm. is the sloppiest person mm-hmm. on the planet. Yeah, I mean he he has no no uh, respect, no care, no nothing when he comes into Roy's house, and Frank says, "Oh, you're gonna take your sh- I'm gonna take my shoes off, no problem." Then he walks right straight into his living room. Uh, he might as well be eating a big sloppy hamburger and dripping ketchup everywhere, like. I wonder if it's something about the fact that, like, uh, it does
0: seem that uh, Roy has to have a lot of control and the fact that he's working with a very, ju- I-, I guess he's junior to him. They-, they don't seem like there's that much of a difference in age, but maybe he's just had some more experience doing these cons. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, Frank has a certain respect for him and his-, his natural ability, and he's used to the weirdness that his his different mental illnesses bring to the table. Where he doesn't where- make
1: any accommodations for it either
0: i don't know well i mean that that's that's the thing where it's like he does but then you realize that this was just a con like you know um it does seem like he it it does seem like maybe he could have done a little bit better when they're like out like when they're out scamming that old couple Mm -hmm. and the door gets opened um maybe if like if if sam sees what's happening he can kind of be like hey could you mind shutting the door it's uh you know i
1: got allergies yeah i've something. got a bad yeah.
0: yeah like you see your partners freaking out and starting to twitch and tweak then you you, you jump in there and be the distraction or yeah. something i don't know
1: uh yeah but now that you say that actually that this is all part of the con i'm going oh yeah duh of course well that's the question i have he's, is he's when pushing him toward these symptoms right so he'll go to the shrink so he'll like go down this road that they want him down when do you think
0: uh when do you think that they Decided. When, when did Sam Rockwell come up with this idea? Because I, after I watched it, I thought there's a moment early on in the film where Sam Rockwell tries to sell him on a long-term con. Uh-huh, and the, the boat guy or whatever. And Nick Cage says, nope, I don't do long-term cons, are too dangerous. I think that's where he decided, well, then I'm going to scam you.
1: Yeah, I think so. There, were, there was so much money at stake and, and you can see that Frank needs it, Roy doesn't, right? Roy's got stash. Yeah, uh, a, a huge stash in a safety deposit box. Yeah, but Frank needs it, and I think Frank's pushing him. And the fact that he doesn't want to do it sort of drives Frank to to con him. Mm-hmm.
0: And Sam Rockwell is essentially playing. Uh, Sam Rockwell's got a lot of different facets, but there is a very broad Sam Rockwell gear that he mm-hmm. plays, like in his think of his, his Charlie's Angels character, mm-hmm.
1: um, and that's pretty much what he's doing. He's being Sam Sam Rockwell. He is, yeah. Uh, before we leave Nick Cage I wanted to talk a little bit about a little more about uh, how he commits to this role Uh because there's so much you know we mentioned the barking we mentioned the piss blood but there's just so many little things as well where like he's in this hospital makeshift hospital room right and he's being conned and he comes out and he's running across the the roof of this parking garage Mm -hmm. with his bare ass Mm -hmm. just hanging out and this stupid little pointy hat thing (laughs) Uh, it's he has no shame in those moments. And the, when he's in the, the laundromat with uh, Allison Loman with Angela, and he's got this ridiculous getup with this fedora, this like, I don't even know what it is, like a straw fedora or something, and these glasses and this patterned shirt. Like, Nicholas Cage is willing to go just about anywhere. And we saw that in, like, The Weatherman, where we mm-hmm. were talking about Nicolas Cage's remarkable ability to take food uh food items to the face yes without flinching yeah i i just have such a new uh, such a keen appreciation of nicholas cage and what he is willing to do even when it misses now um i need to go back and watch mandy after having done a little more research on nick cage <laughs> Uh, and see if that recontextualizes anything for me. Yeah, I I'm a big fan of Mandy. Oh, I also just saw. Speaking of uh, Nick Cage
0: in the news, uh, the color of space, the color out of space. Oh, that's the follow.
1: That, that's no, the director's follow up. I, the... I don't.
0: It's not the same director. I think it's, it's the same maybe produced production company, which okay. is probably half Nick Cage anyway. Okay, but it's a it's a classic uh, H.P. Lovecraft tale. Um, oh boy, and it's <laughs> excellent. It's excellent. It's it's uh, it's I think you would. It's got a lot of the same kind of um, aesthetic choices as Mandy, but without like uh, some of the things that kind of drove you nuts about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, a much more restrained uh, Nick Cage performance. Uh, going back to Matchstick, man, I think one of the things that makes the script really interesting and propels it is it's it's not unconventional morality. Like, okay. I feel like this film really buys in to the idea that like that that Nick Cage while he sees himself as being this kind of like, hey, I'm not a criminal. I live by a code. I don't steal from people. People give me things. Yeah. But then they show that like, you know, he's really exclusively preying on old people, at least in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. It kind of belies it. You know, like uh, I don't know that an old person that thinks they've won a major award is being greedy, you know.
1: Like, no you win a sweepstakes
0: and, that doesn't take advantage of someone's greed like they weren't
1: no I think I think he he sees stupidity as a vice or gullibility mm. as a vice um that's uh reasonable to exploit yeah that's almost ethically neutral to exploit yeah I don't agree with that philosophy at all yeah um, but yeah the, the movie hinges on that statement right like I I don't steal from people. They give me things. Right. They, they they give their money to me. And
0: I thought I was really impressed by how they play that out through the end. You yes, know, when, all the way to the end. When you go to the end and you see that kind of like one year later, you think that there's going to be maybe some kind of syrupy resolution or some mm-hmm. kind of like hugging, but
1: it's it's not. the. Or the cops are going to come be called and come in and nope. bust the, the con person because she deserves it. Nope. No, Nick Cage deserved it. Yeah. uh, In his mind, like Roy very much lives by that philosophy. And even when it's him giving things away, getting conned, he still lives by that philosophy. And that's the thing. It's like, that's...
0: I think this movie works best on a first watch when mm-hmm. you don't know the twist is coming, because now that I knew the twist is coming, I, it seemed like it was telegraphed. And when I first saw this as a as a much younger man, I was like 25, 26, uh, hadn't seen nearly as many twisty films as I have now. Um, dude, I was uh, up until he staggers out of uh, of that makeshift room into the parking garage uh-huh. roof. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. But having that hindsight and going back and watch it, the script has tons mm-hmm. of signs and foreshadowing and flashing like warning signs that he's he's about to be uh, scanned in fact he every word of wisdom that he that he that he gives to his daughter mm-hmm. uh Allison is. Itself something he should be listening to. Because he's like, at one point, right. he's talking about the rules. And he's like, you know, uh, and, and one thing you got to make sure is you're not being scammed by the person you're scamming. Mm-hmm. And how he knew nothing about her. And that she had carefully constructed this narrative and took advantage of the fact that he would rather die. He's physically incapable of calling and talking to his ex-wife. yeah, um, And
1: that she's got a kind of a strained relationship. So like, oh, if her car's not there, then... Yeah, in those moments where he's like, oh, I'll take you home, I'll drop you off, like, oh, should we call your mother to come get you? She's always pushing back on that, saying, no, 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 no. Which he thinks is charming and
0: independent and right. all that, but also she's she's putting him off.
1: Yeah, it, it always has, like, some form of believable cover, Um, because, like you said, there is that strained relationship. Mm-hmm. There is, maybe she's sneaking out to see him, right, yeah. and her, his ex doesn't know that, and yeah. she might get in trouble for it. He doesn't want to get his daughter in trouble, so he doesn't do it, like... Yeah. A lot of good stuff.
0: But that's why I think it's just such an ethically tight scam because at a couple points in the film, I'm thinking, do I feel sorry for Nick Cage? And the film never asked me to, and the film never does. No. Like, uh, watching it the, the second time through, it's it's a... Um, I had a little bit more pity to him just because he is so not prepared for what's happening to him, and he's really investing, like, you know, body, heart, and soul into this relationship that's, that's a flim-flam. Um, but... Yeah. It's no worse than anything he's doing to, I don't know, maybe it's worse. Maybe like he didn't go to any of these old people and say, I'm your
1: long lost kid, Mm -hmm. but still. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're preying on the same gullibility that he does. Uh, The same, the same desires, you know, everybody, everybody's got something that they really want. And if you can offer them that, uh, even if it's a fake offering, they Mm -hmm. might be blinded enough to not see it.
0: Yeah, and I, I like that. That one year later, Denoue is is very good at um, showing that he's learned something from this. Like he's actually grown as a person. Yeah, he had millions of dollars and all these stuff sto- uh, socked away from all of the, um, all of the 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 scams he's pulled his entire life. He loses the whole thing, and now he puts his what is obvious natural talent and salesmanship to mm. work at a carpet warehouse. Yeah. And he's earning a very modest living with uh, this uh, grocery store clerk that he's had this kind of weird on again, off again, OCD type relationship with. Uh, but he see, it feels like he's, you know, buckled down, probably got some therapy, gotten on a a legal, legit
1: prescription therapy. And he's, he's better now. <laughs> this is so this is one of those movie uh, storybook endings, right? Mm-hmm. That's like too happy to actually believe because if you recall the reason that his ex and him broke up he says he left her with a black eye and a bun in the oven Mm. and if you look at the scenario he's in at the very end of this uh his his grocery store clerk that's dark possible wife has a bun in the oven right now right Uh they make a big show of it where he leans down and practically like kisses her stomach Uh uh-huh uh it, it it's one of those things where you have to believe that this man has changed after this single incident i don't think i would believe that if this wasn't a movie i would be looking for the backslide i would be looking for him to slip back into his old life right um get well, get a whiff of like a con that's too juicy to pass up uh get get a little angry get off his meds or something he drops him down the drain and and beats his wife and then they break up again like there are so many ways this could go wrong Man, if this wasn't the a black movie i like that's yeah you're right that's, yeah, he's that's an abuser. pretty dark. Yeah, I mean the, the Roy's not a great guy no. by any stretch of the imagination it, leave aside the con man stuff mm-hmm. he's clearly just uh, a bad man at mm-hmm. the beginning of this film uh, yeah I wonder
0: although I guess the other argument the other side of that argument is how much further the rock bottom do you fall than uh-huh. to be completely every aspect of your flawed personality taken advantage of over right. a long-term con to defraud you of millions of dollars, mm-hmm. uh, and in a movie, this totally works.
1: Yeah, it's a really, really good tight ending. I think.
0: Yeah. How big? So, how big was the scam? You had Sam Rockwell, you had Allison Loman, mm-hmm. you had uh, I, I you had forget Bruce
1: Altman, Bruce Altman as the who plays Terry Colby in Mister Robot. I yeah. very immediately recognized him. I was like, "Oh shit, that's the, the yes. horrible CEO or whatever of not CEO, but uh, whatever." Wasn't it? I don't think he was a CEO because Philip was the CEO. Was he the CTO? He might have been the CTO. No, that might have been Tyrell. I don't don't know. I think he
0: took over. Anyway, it's Mr. Robot. Who cares? But yeah, you're right. That is that guy. And then this other guy who he's been on a lot of stuff. He plays this kind of like chubby, sweaty (laughs) businessman slash gangster. It's one of those guys that I've seen in a lot of things,
1: Mm -hmm. but I couldn't name a single thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, He's i i thought the scam itself was really really good um mm-hmm. you know where they like nick cage poses as this kind of like posh perhaps english uh you know financier or mm-hmm. money exchanger what would you call that
1: yeah international uh, money, finance money guy launderer yeah I mean, that's essentially what he's doing and
0: there's, is that what he's because like i wasn't sure if it was a convert like it's actually laundering money or if there was a conversion like a currency conversion loophole like they do mention that, yeah. And I'm not. I'm not certain either. Maybe, but the, the thing that I thought, the thing I thought they do so well um, is that they emphasize that the con, the, the most effective con, is the one that the person talks themselves into. Mm-hmm. You know, that you like him and Sam Rockwell are sitting at the bar and they're sliding envelopes full of money, and you hear this guy talking about you know for currency exchange and stuff, and this other guy who has money, is like, oh, how can I make more of it uh they they hook themselves you know you don't you don't have to like the 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 less you have to lead to them the better it is and they do that really good and better call saul although mm-hmm. saul's a little bit more white hat at least the seasons i've seen because he does tend to try to take advantage of people's greed and obnoxiousness oh yeah in a way that like you know i i feel like uh uh, Nick Cage's character Roy is taking advantage of people's kind of guile and, and guilelessness and, and and innocence. Mm. Um, but well, yeah, no the the uh, when did you do you remember when you first saw this? When
1: you saw the scam the the big scam, or did you? I don't think it was till the end. Yeah. Um. Till till they reveal that like he's not in a hospital. Like this time around, I noticed ah, this hospital looks like bullshit. This looks like a trailer. Like, it's got drop walls, if that's a thing. Like, the same material they're using for drop ceilings on the walls. No hospital has that. Yeah. Not in America, at least. Uh, Yeah, the first time I saw it, I I was blown away by it. Oh, that is it. So, I was was trying to think about how big the scam is. Because you had, you know, so you got
0: Allison Lohman, you got Sam Rockwell, you got the other dude we don't know. We got the therapist. You got these two FBI agents. Mm -hmm. You've got the therapist office. And you've got uh, this cargo. This is a pretty, pretty expensive scam. Like, I, I wonder yeah. how many millions of dollars you're supposed to understand that Nick Cage has. I'm thinking, I don't know, three to five?
1: <laughs> trying to make a tax joke here. It's not working. <laughs> no, I'm not making a tax joke. <laughs> no, I, I'm trying oh, to. Oh, you're trying to make a tax working. joke. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I couldn't tell how just how rich he was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, He pulls 80 grand out of that lockbox at one point. Right. And it didn't seem to diminish it all that mm-hmm. much, so there has to be at least a million, uh, and that would be in pounds or euros. I'm not sure which those were. Yeah, yeah. Had the queen on them, probably pounds. I looked up something. This is I can't remember why I looked this
0: up as some kind of thought experiment, but like a like a twelve inch by twelve inch by twelve inch cube of cash is roughly a million dollars if they're hundred dollar bills. Hmm. bound up into like you know ten thousand dollar bundles I, I
1: love that scene where he opens the briefcase and he's like that's 80 grand That looks like a lot less uh-huh and he says it always does yeah because i think it would mm-hmm. be like oh i'm getting a hundred thousand dollars and it's four bundles of bills yeah <laughs> no 25 I, I, each
0: i'm like Hmm. Yeah, I had once 10 grand in my hand and $100 bills and it just doesn't feel... <laughs>
1: it's not satisfying.
0: Yeah, you feel like you put a rubber band around that and you can just, you know, go to Vegas and have... But it's its not... Mm. It doesn't, doesn't doesn't got that satisfying, thick,
1: softball-sized... You got to roll it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what the drug dealers do right is they roll their money. Or fold it. it makes it feel a lot more substantial. Mm. Mm. It, so th- there's one moment in here where... I caught on to what a bad fucking idea this is. Um, And it's when he, speaking of the lockbox, takes his daughter into the lockbox, Mm -hmm. the deposit area, and puts her onto his account. And I'm thinking all she needs now is a passcode and you're Mm -hmm. fucked. Mm -hmm. That was before I remembered that this was all a long con to steal that very money. Oh, the second time you were... Yeah, the you, second time you'd forgotten. Through. Okay, okay. I, I'd forgotten almost all of it. It's been almost 20 years. Okay, okay. Because uh, i surprised how much I remembered beat by beat. I, I only remembered that this was a long con after, um, like when he woke up in the hospital, I was like, oh, right, this hospital is bullshit. None of this is real. It was all a con. But in that moment, I'm thinking, God, it's such a bad idea to give this 14-year-old girl access to a million dollars, whether she's your daughter or not. right. You guys and he are... just puts her on the list for no reason. Like she gives, she doesn't give him that much of a puppy dog. Look, she just is there and he feels obligated. Oh, well, I I
0: think that you're supposed to understand that. Like this is a con he's talking himself into. She is his yeah. spitting image and uh, you know they're getting along like gangbusters and now he's gone from like giving her because they go through all these phases they he goes th- she goes through the like as out too late and came home and like where have you been little late like they had to do all that stuff so that he kind of at some point starts seeking her approval mm-hmm. and wants to be seen as cool and uh um ha- a value in her eyes and i think that's how yeah like you know she didn't take the money from him he gave it to her and just like he says mm-hmm. at the end of the film
1: it's such a long shot too like this long con is a long That's shot That's what
0: I was trying to think of like how did because if Nick Cage doesn't drop his pills down the dish the the the, the incinerator Uh-huh which Sam Rockwell had no idea I mean maybe it's one of those things where he was just waiting like he knows this guy he's going to have a meltdown and I'm going to come in there maybe it's something he's been grooming him for a long time I maybe I'm wrong about the the turndown being that this was always in the back of his mind like hey, next time he fucks up his medication I'm going to be in there but mm-hmm. the, the logistics escape
1: me Yeah you've got to you've got to say that okay this relationship with his daughter is going to bring him out of his OCD and his mental issues long enough to want to do this long con that he says he's never wanted to do and never going to do. Mm-hmm. You have to get him to change his mind on that, which means yeah. you've got to fix his symptoms of his mental problems. And
0: you have to have the doctor ready to go. Like he's got to be able to take a phone call and he's got yeah. to show
1: up at his office at a moment's notice. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's such a, uh, such a long shot. Yeah. But I guess at any moment, like he discovers what's up, and yeah. so what, you know. You tried, you failed, no big deal. Well, I also wonder, like how how
0: improvised things were. Like, did he have Allison Loman all? plan from the beginning or did he say hey go to his therapist get you on some kind of bullshit medicine and then we're going to find whatever the leverage is and it turns out that like this relationship with his ex-wife and a kid is the one that they thought oh that's the one yeah Um, because like in I was just thinking like also it's kind of like a rocket launch and that you've got stage one He's got to go to the therapist. If that doesn't work out, there's no stage two. If stage two works mm-hmm. out, then you got to go find your rope guy who's going to be the one that hauls him in. you go find, you know, it's like, yeah, then you don't need the FBI guys until it's time to set the trap. I wonder how much of it was like a plan as you go and how much of it was just like an Ocean's Eleven style. All right. We've got our Betty White and we've got our Greta Garbo and we've got an Ella Fitzgerald and we got all these guys put together. Mm hmm. Um, it is interesting to see that this guy went on to write Oceans Eleven because Oceans Eleven is just a slicker, less OCD version of this. Yeah, um, with no kid, it's you it's just got
1: you're trying to you're trying to steal the affection of Julia Roberts back, I guess. <laughs> uh, I want to talk a little bit about the making of the film. Okay, maybe we can talk about Ridley Scott, um, but I want to talk about oh, the budget of this film. Yeah, let's so ridley
0: scott uh okay. what's your opinion of ridley scott's work i love his work i mean I do he's too. the guy who directed
1: a land and uh, blade runner yep. and uh, you know prometheus you may not There's like the movie mis- but, the direction, is, missteps, but yeah. the direction is great i mean how would you because I, I i tried
0: something out that it didn't seem like you you were buying which is that he's like a upscale or a very a rich man's version of michael bay uh uh-huh. Because he has a lot of the same kind of techniques and loves the magic hour and certain type of like heroic
1: angles and shots. It's just if you can divorce, I'd be interested to see what Ridley Scott with Jerry Bruckheimer could do. Because <laughs> right. I get Michael Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer so tightly linked in sure. my mind. They were tightly linked for a long time. Yeah, I know. It's it's hard to separate them. And Jerry Bruckheimer is the boom explosion Transformers guy, right?
0: Well, I think he's just the production partner for Michael Bay, and then they okay. split
1: up. All right. This doesn't help me at all. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to have them forever linked in my head. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you the difference between Michael Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer, in mm. all honesty. But you could tell me the difference between Michael Bay and Ridley Scott. I, I think... I think Ridley Scott's movies are smarter. Mm-hmm. Maybe he makes better choices. That's what I'm saying. than He's what a he rich man's version of
0: Michael Bay, or Michael Bay yeah. is a, a dumb man's version of maybe Ridley Scott. Okay. Maybe that's it's it's a remove wealth. This is just intelligence. Yeah. Anyway, you're talking about the production of this, and Ridley Scott's over. Yeah.
1: I well, I I when I was listening to this movie, uh-huh. I mean listening because I want to talk about the soundtrack. I kept hearing song after song after song that is. Very well known, extremely popular by well-regarded artists, with the exception of Kid Rock. Uh, two Frank Sinatra songs in this movie. Yeah, Bobby McFerrin. No, that's the "Don't Worry, really Be Happy" guy. It's it is a Bobby, but it also has a uh, Kid Rock. Kid Rock's most well-known song. Uh, it has Wayne Newton's most well-known song, Bobby Darren. There yeah, right. Bobby Darren. Uh, it has so many big, and the score is is created by Hans Zimmer. So hmm. like. When you're not using licensed music, you're paying one of the best guys in the industry. Right. This movie had a 65 million dollar budget. Hmm. This is a very unambitious movie for 65 million dollars. That's true. Or sorry, 62 million dollars it made in the box office worldwide 65 and a half million. That's the shocking thing. Barely I've made its money back,
0: and and probably didn't by the time you factor in marketing production cost, and or yeah. marketing, all that kind. I was honestly shocked. I was shocked it was that expensive
1: yeah th- that's really expensive for this kind of movie because this
0: is like a big this is like a big budget indie film and it's yes. in terms of scope and like
1: uh the cast it's, it's like if broken flowers cost 62 million dollars yeah there, people yeah. lost their shit
0: yeah there's like eight speaking roles in this fucking film mm-hmm. uh there's no special
1: effects or pyrotechnics of any kind no stunt work nope i mean even the the effects work they do is very minor you know it's understated it's Mm -hmm. not there are no big explosions all of michael bay and or jerry bruckheimer Mm -hmm. uh it's all like oh here's a woozy camera effect when he wakes up right here's like a slow zoom and some saturation when they open the patio door right yeah nothing super fancy nothing hugely ambitious but 62 million dollars yeah it's crazy that's crazy. Now, th- I bet that most of that went to the music and the acting talent, if I had to guess. Probably because those
0: were big names. Even, you know, Nicolas Cage and, and Sam Rockwell were pretty big. Maybe not so much Sam Rockwell, because I think at this point he had been in like uh, Charlie's Angels for sure
1: was he in moon at this point was i was that like 2000
0: i man i couldn't tell you it's 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 around there yeah uh, but nicholas cage was like coming off of his like mega hit like bankable star right con air face off like, face off the rock like uh-huh. he was he was at the height of his of his commercial
1: powers yeah there's one other thing i want to talk about before i'm kind of out of things to talk about with this movie and it's the the pacing and the structure of this movie Okay. because I think it's really strong and you mentioned Roger Ebert's review earlier and he noticed the same thing uh, where he says basically you've got a plot that's really exciting with this con and when you cut away from it there's a better Almost Mm. a better plot to cut to, which is the Uh daughter-father bonding thing here, Mm. Um, which, you know, turns out to be a ruse, but it doesn't matter when you're watching it. Right. And I felt the very same thing. I was thinking throughout this movie, man, I'm really invested in seeing this con, but they're kind of spooling that out through the course of the movie. And I think that's the genius of it is it it keeps you engaged in on every level. Mm. Um, It keeps you engaged emotionally with these characters. When you see this father who's, you know, estranged from his daughter and they're trying to reconnect. Um, But it also keeps you intellectually engaged with the plot as they just they're able to seamlessly cut back and forth between those two things. And the the plot portion of this is such a like slow boil um, that it gives the rest of the movie time to breathe and Mm -hmm. and time to work its magic on you. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think when I was
0: organizing my notes is like, is this a traditional like kind of three act structure or is it a five act structure or is it three act with a prologue and epilogue structure? Uh Because there is something kind of unconventional about the that, that Russian nested doll or snake eating its own tail aspect of you've got the con, which is just on the face of it kind of fascinating yeah you've got the man but beneath that you got the layer of the man struggling with ocd and various right. you know debilitating uh, mental and emotional problems and then on top of that you've got like the father trying to reconnect with his daughter in light of all the other problems he's got yeah. and you know keeping trying to compartmentalize and those compartments break down and how does he feel about it and he feels like he's a that was the other kind of tension is he swings between feeling like he's like a, a deadbeat dad to being a good dad to like, oh, God, I'm a criminal dad. What does that look like? I got a criminal daughter. Yeah, that stuff all really works, really works well. Mm-hmm. So that'll do it for this week's bald movie. Uh, we we, I, I, we want to talk about a, a change in format that's that's going to be hopefully brief. Uh, we're supposed to see A Quiet Place Part Two next week. But uh, we just had some confirmed cases of coronavirus here in, in Ohio, and uh, things are kind of still up in air about how bad this is. I mean, there's entire countries under quarantine right now. They just declared a state of emergency here. Yeah. Before. So yeah. we're going to kind of opt. We, we are fortunate enough that um, we don't have any disease vectors in our life. We have a very small office that is isolated from people. We sit 12 feet apart from each other. Uh, my, my biggest vector for disease is my son. Uh, you know, it, it's entirely possible. Some schools have already announced that they're shutting down. Uh, the point is, we don't want to sit within a theater full of 500 people coughing uh, to see some movies. So for the foreseeable future, for the the interim, we're going to not be covering 1st run bald movies. We're going to exclusively be going um, over some movies, and we're going to pay particular attention to maybe some things we missed in this last award season. Uh, so next week, in lieu of A Quiet Place Part 2, we're going to see Martin Scorsese's the Irishman, uh, his Netflix joint that he did with De Niro and Pacino and all those big names. I have been wanting to see this for a long, long time. It's a very, uh, a very intensive movie. Ask to sit and watch yeah. a three and a half, three hours, 45 minute movie. Mm. Um, so.
1: Titanic it. length
0: yeah I'm in for it I've, I've been excited to see this um, I'm really looking forward to it uh, we're going to be covering it next week on bald movies and uh, we'll play it by ear I mean a lot of these movies are getting getting pushed it seems like like uh, they already announced that James Bond is going to be pushed to November and I understand it's entirely because
1: of coronavirus yeah I'm wondering if they'll push Black Widow I don't, that man, I don't know. That could be tough for Marvel yeah well I mean they're the ones something can... in something that's so tightly uh,
0: scheduled yeah, but on the other hand, if it's a movie that could make a billion dollars worldwide, that's exactly the type of thing that you want to push. Because yeah. do you want to have the, you know, does, do you want to coronavirus be called the Black Widow virus, <laughs> no, the Disney virus? Yeah, it's fucking rats, man. They carry the plague and Mickey's no exception. Goddamn rat out of Orlando is going to kill us all. Uh, So, yeah, that's what that's our plan to kind of like, you know, hunker down. Maybe it's an overreaction. Maybe we can all laugh about it in a month or two. But uh, we're playing safe rather than sorry. Uh, and uh, that's what we're going to be doing in, in the weeks ahead. So, thanks for stopping by and listening to this bald movie. Uh, if you'd like to support us and the work that we do here, uh, it's really easy. Go to club.baldboob.com. And when we get these first-run movies back, uh, you'll be enjoying the fruits of that labor because that's one of the main features: spoiler-filled reviews of first-run movies. We'll be back next week with The Irishman. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. I'll go see-